Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Pace and Space podcast. We are continuing on the train of our NBA season preview, but we actually had a fair amount of news this week, haven't we, Leif? We sure did. Things that we've been talking about for the past several weeks and a little bit more. And a little bit more. So we're going to have to get into the news first and foremost. And then after that, we will be covering the Southeast Division. The long-awaited Southeast Division, I'm sure. But first things first. Yay. (laughs) First things first. We have to talk about the trade. And it's kind of proper to call it the trade. It's the trade that's been talked about. The potential trade has been talked about for months and months now, maybe years, depending on uh, how long you've been following this uh, this situation. But Carmelo Anthony has finally been traded. And he was traded to the most surprising team of all, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Presti, once again, was able to fleece a team and get a superstar for a minimal package. And maybe fleecing is a strong word, I don't know. But the deal was Carmelo Anthony to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a 2018 second-round pick that they acquired from the Chicago Bulls. Leif, what are your thoughts on this trade? Well, I think your assessment was right. It seemed like a, a fleecing that was done by OKC, but... First of all, good job for OKC. Great job. Um, Great job. I mean, I mean, you think about it. They needed to give Westbrook some help. They went out there and they got Paul George. They went out there now and got Melo. And they gave up much to get them. So, I mean, that's an exciting team they're going to put on the floor. It so, is. good job. Yeah, good job for OKC. Yeah, great job by OKC. I mean, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk it back a little bit. I, I do think Fleece was too strong. I know I, when I first heard the trade, considering how it seemed like the Knicks weren't going to be able to move Melo at all, I was like, oh, this is this is a pretty good return, considering. Um, it was, you know, other than the pick, I mean, it's better than some of the other trades. I mean, would I rather get a package? I mean, I mean, it's kind of a better package than than what Indiana got for Paul George in some ways. In some ways, I would say it's true. But I think New York played its hand mm-hmm. wrong, incorrectly, because mm-hmm. they waited too long. And and while they kept trying to work with Houston, and granted, Melo didn't waive his no-trade calls for those other teams. But right, right. They, they waited, it waited so long to the point that you got to the opening of training camp. Everyone in, in Melo's camp was saying that he didn't want to play in New York, that they wanted a deal to happen by Monday. Yeah. And so it kind of forced their hand a little bit, and that deal presented itself. And to them, they said, look, we'll ship him out west. You know, he's not here. It's, uh, well, we'll send him out and let that be that. Kind of losses. Um, the money matched up, and right. go for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. Uh, sending him out west was better. There was uh, 
there was some urgency to get this done. Although I'm not gonna blame the Knicks front office too much for not getting a deal done sooner, because you know Melo did drop some bombs on media day, saying how he almost went to Cleveland and he almost went to Houston, but those deals got pulled back. So unless the Knicks were the were the team that that pulled out of those trades, I'm not gonna fault them. Because it might seem like they had two other deals that were going to work for them um, get pulled out from under them. So that, that's kind of tough. And the first trade, we're talking about draft night. That trade was supposed to happen. And then the Houston trade was supposed to happen like all of July. So there, there, was, there was movement. There was activity to get a deal done. And it just took this long for whatever reason. And... I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little sad that he didn't uh, open up his options to Portland. Well, well, he did at the end, right? He did at the That's end. Um, I guess Portland couldn't top what OKC was offering. Although, I don't know. I feel like if they sent back like Mo Harkless and like Evan Turner back, that might have been a more appealing deal than uh, McDermott and, and uh, Cantor. Yeah. I think they like McDermott. I think they he's got some upside. See him in this, right? They see him in the system. They're they're gonna give him an opportunity to play, and I mean his name is not McBuckets for no reason. I mean he can score, and I and that gives them another look that they didn't have before. So it's true. I'm I'm not going to get I'm not gonna get mad at the Knicks for making that deal. I mean, granted, they had to make a deal. And you still got cancer. You still got McDermott. You still got a pick. I don't know how that pick's really gonna pan out or how good it's gonna be, but mm, it's you, the Bulls. You, you did pick. something. It's the Bulls pick, and the Bulls are gonna be terrible. I it's mean, a second round pick, right? Yeah, but that could be like the first pick in the second round. That's how bad. It, that's that's how that's how bad the Bulls could be this year. It, it, it could be, yeah, it could be bad. So, uh, yeah. It's not bad. So, it's not a bad pick. It's not bad. We, we've we've kind of we've kind of talked ourselves into saying that the deal wasn't horrible, which is probably what the Knicks it. did. They probably just talked themselves into this. Yeah, they said, "Look, we get we we get Cantor, who's could score. Um, we still have Porzingis. We we got Tim Hardaway." You know, I don't want to talk too much about the Knicks right now because they're coming up. Yeah, they're in coming a couple up. Weeks. This, I mean, this is more about Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they are able to put a team of Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony, a big three of those guys together. Um, you're looking now. You're putting Melo probably in the most ideal situation where he's a a secondary third scorer. However you wanna, however you wanna like tier him and Paul George. Um, and this is really like the best case scenario for him. You can put him in at the three. You can put him at the four. Um, he's probably going to play a lot of four. I know he's not a fan of that, but I think he's probably hit a point in his career. As long as he's playing with other quality stars, he, he's not going to fuss too much about where he plays and how, how they use him. Yeah, he's not going to complain. And he's a great catch-and-shoot player he, he's a he's a great iso player if they need that i mean this is now this is a team that doesn't have to worry about what happens when russ comes off the court 
Um, Billy Donovan, he's pretty good at staggering minutes. He he did a lot of staggering um, when it came to KD and, and Westbrook two years ago. Um, he knew he needed at least one of those guys on the court almost at all times. And Definitely. He, and, he, and he played it that way, which was smart. So he's going to probably do the same thing. He, whether that means Mellows with the second unit, Paul George with the second unit, maybe a bit of both while Westbrook's on the on the bench. And, and this is really looking like a team that's always going to have a playmaker on the, on the court now, is always going to have a scorer. And, you know, I know people were talking about Melo and his defense, but we hear this all the time, and I, sometimes I think it's overblown. We, talk, we spoke about that with Kevin Love, Cavaliers, beat the best team in the NBA with Kevin Love on the court. Um, we're talking, you know, we talk about other teams like that, talking about these stars. And I feel like when you have that much star talent, it, it figures itself out in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, it's going to pan out. I, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, Donovan does have a tough job on his hands right now. He has all his talent. He has to give them their opportunities, their looks. But we're talking about Melo as if he's going to play the same way he played when he was in New York. And I don't think you're going to get that same mellow. I think you're going to get more of a, you know, a, a mellow who can play more off the ball, who can do that catch and shoot. You know, kind of what we saw him doing with Olympic mellow. Right. Um, and it's a know, motivated maybe, mellow. It's a motivated mellow. Right. And so he's going to be more of that team player. And and rightly so. It's a good, it's a good team. I mean, it, yeah. I, I can't be mad at it. You know, good job. I'm happy for Melo. Um, I think this is going to be an opportunity for him um, to show showcase another side of him. We've had this this look at him all off season, this hoodie mellow um, idea. This and he's done this interviews with his hood on and all that stuff. That we was amazing. That. that was amazing. I mean, so he, he that's very important. It. That is very important to the space the pace and space brand right there. Yeah. We've, we've been talking about Hoodie Mello all summer. He goes media day in the hoodie. It, it was great. I loved every minute of it. Um, I, I was I was so happy that he did that. So you know what that says? That tells me that Mello himself retired, and now it's about Hoodie Mello. Hoodie Mello is now taken over. And so I'm curious. I'm, the king I'm curious is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> yeah, hoodie mellow. Hoodie mellow is here in OKC. Wow. So it's just that's amazing. Awesome. It's amazing. I mean, I will say as a Laker fan, I'm a little nervous. Paul George is not coming to the Lakers next summer. Now, I'm a little nervous. You you have to be, but you know what? I think there was one player who could have came to OKC. That would have pretty much cemented the fact that George was not going to the Lakers. And I think that was doing weight. Mm. Ah, nice segue. Nice segue. I'm learning. You're, you're almost like a professional <laughs> podcaster over here. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm telling you. <laughs> so after that beautiful segue, we have to talk about it. Chicago Bulls, who we mentioned, are probably going to be the, the dregs of the NBA this year have decided since they had no other real NBA talent on the team, they were going to buy out Dwayne Wade and let him move on. So they bought him out, and to no surprise to anyone, he signed a deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And 
I was a little disappointed he signed with the Cavs because, as you just mentioned, I felt like there was a real opportunity there for him to sign to with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I felt that that was a much more natural fit for him as opposed to to Cleveland. Yeah, I I didn't see the fit for him in Cleveland outside of the fact that he wanted to play with his buddy LeBron. Right. But but he could have played with Melo. I mean, he's been there already he was with was also his buddy. Right. So why not go to that other team and try it out? And you saw mm. what they're doing over there. It's a good look. It's a crowded West. Um, it's not like you're saying, okay, I'm, I don't want to go to OKC because I'm going to LA or a nicer place. I mean, it's Cleveland, you know, so. Yeah, but I, I think you kind of answered your question in itself there when you said crowded West. I, I, I am sure when you look at the options, he says, I can play with my, my best friend in Cleveland and be top dog in the East, or I can play with my other close friend in Mello and really scrap out whatever we can get in the West. And he he chose the former. I mean, they're happy about it. You see, you know, they having they they having glasses of you know who knows uh, how old that bottle of wine was. They, you know, they're enjoying the good life. They're together. Um, basketball wise, though, that's a lot of guards for a little bit of minutes. And that's the concern I have. Um, you're going over there. He. You feel like you're gonna have to play play him some minutes, especially when you think of Tyrone Lue. You know he oh he's playing. Gonna, he's starting. He's playing. He's gonna start Wade. LeBron's gonna have that. You know he's had that promise, and so I mean, now Jr. already said he's he Jr. Smith already bowed out. He said I'm not gonna have a a you know what contest. I'm just gonna go on the bench. So then, when you think about it, I mean. You got him off the bench. You got Shump off the bench. Got Rose got starting, Rose but the... will eventually be on the bench. You got right. IT. You got Wade. I think this narrative is going to get deeper once we get once we get there. But yeah. but he's going to get the minutes. The problem is how are they going to fit the other guys? Because I right. first and foremost, that is the main reason I think he went to Cleveland over OKC because. I think he's gonna be, he's gonna get the reverence in Cleveland. He's gonna get treated like superstar Wade. He's gonna get he's gonna get treated like a leader right away. He's gonna be deferred to by other players, and because one, Ty, like you said, Ty Lue is gonna is gonna play to that, and also two, he's best friends with LeBron, and it's LeBron's team, and basically whatever LeBron wants, Cleveland does. And now it's going to be two guys that whatever they want, it gets done. And I think he chose that route over going to OKC, um, maybe having where I, where I don't think he was going to be told to like fight for a starting spot or anything. Um, there, there was going to be a tougher battle out there, as we mentioned. And there was going to be some some lineups where maybe he didn't fit. And Billy Donovan is is not going is not going to feel like he owes Wade anything the way Cleveland staff is going to feel like. Yeah, and, and OKC they have size. 
Yeah. And that's something you see even when you think of like Robeson and um, Jeremy Grant. Yeah. These are guys with size who can, you know, that's what they look in D, um, three and D guys. Mm-hmm. That's what they have going for them. And Wade, while he, he I mean, he'll, he'll fit on that team, but I mean, the rock is not going to come to him as often as he might like. He's going to have to do a lot more stuff off the ball. We know Russell is going is to hold the ball a lot more and do his thing. Mm-hmm. George, it's, a, it's a lot of mouths to feed on OKC. Yeah, um, is, Cleveland, but... yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, he turned into a good off-ball player when he played with LeBron in Miami. He became like basically like the, the best cutter in the league, did a lot of backdoor screens. He could probably do the same thing in, in OKC. Got, got a lot of guys who would draw the attention of the D where that would work. And I mean, you could have played, played him as some, as some backup point guard too. When Westbrook went to the bench, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I think you could have, he knows what he's doing. Not, 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 not anymore. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to guard ones, but you could have used him as a one on offense and you still could have used Roberson or whoever else to guard ones on the defensive side. Because he's still big enough. He's still really, he's really, I mean, he's 6'4", but he's still a good size for two guards. So it's not like you're going to, it's not like an IT situation where he's going to get posted up on by, by, by bigger guards or by wings. He's big enough to still stop that, and you can use him as a, as a point guard on offense. True, true. So, I mean, the possibility was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's on Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's still it's still a good it's still a good look, you know. I, yeah. Rather him go there, you know. I, I would have liked the story book. Um, they messed their hand up with that. Okay, see, would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, he um, wasn't. I don't think he's gonna go back to Miami. At least not now. No, he's gonna retire. He's just gonna sign. I think he's gonna sign like a the one, one day contract, day contract, yeah. retire, yeah. and say I retired as a get a statue, and that'll be that. Um, but deservedly it, so. Yeah, he'll get a statue. Why not? So he goes to Cleveland. He he knows that when he gets to the West, when he get, when he gets through, he's gonna blow through the East. Um, only when you have to worry about you know the the Celtics really. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you're good. Oh, what? Is, I mean, there are other teams. Don't we'll, uh, we'll, know there we'll other talk teams about one of them there. later. We'll talk about one of them later. But um, I think this is gonna be like a super small lineup. Like I, I, they're just gonna be running out like three guard lineups all the time now. They, they, they are. Jr. Is gonna play a lot of three. I think he is. What what I think the number one thing for the Cavs this year, with now that you've added a few additional players, is that you can't run. Um, LeBron out there as many minutes as you did last year, so that's the the thing that we'll talk about. That you know, keep jumping the gun a little bit, but I, I mean, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll we'll leave that. We can we can since we didn't get to the Central Division, we can chop Cleveland up a whole lot more um, when we get to them, probably next week. So so we'll leave that there. But very interesting moves. Uh, Big names are still moving, and it's right before training camp. It's very, very, very exciting times in the NBA. And part of that is 
some rule changes. Believe it or not, I usually don't think of rule changes being hot topics, but Adam Silver put some things to the board and he got them passed. He got majority vote. And one of them, well, two things. One was they had a reform on the way the draft lottery works. So not to get too nitty gritty, the main idea is that the the three worst teams all have the same odds of getting the number one pick, which changed from how it was before where it was tiered that if you were the worst record, you had the highest chance and then second, next highest and so forth. Now the worst three teams all have the same chance of getting the number one pick. And the second the second change that was passed is there there is now the ability to penalize teams for resting players, especially on nationally televised games. So let's go first with the with the reform. What are your thoughts on it? Before I answer, I want to hear what you have to say first. So I'm gonna to defer to you. I uh, see the reason you're doing that is because of all the all the messages I sent you earlier today about this, right? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 in meetings, I'm driving, I'm looking, and I'm seeing what you're saying. I'm like, wow, you you got some things to say. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I want you, I want you to go first. I want you to get your thoughts out and your feelings. I know you were pretty. You had a lot of things to say. You had some thoughts on it. So, the floor is yours. All right, all right. So, first and foremost, I hate this rule change. I think it's stupid. I think this is window dressing to the issue of tanking, and I don't think it stops t- tanking at all. I don't really understand how giving the worst three teams the same chance of getting the number one pick diminishes the urge for teams to tank. If anything, that gives more teams the impetus to tank because now they don't have to worry about being having the worst record. They just need to tank enough to be in the, the, the top three of, of bad records. So you're going to have more teams trying to get in that top three, whereas before teams were fighting to get to the worst. And once you realize you couldn't be the worst, you just you just try to get as close to it as possible. Now you're going to have, you know, the 10 worst teams, they're all going to be fighting to be one of the three worst teams. And they're all going to be within a game or two of each other trying to lose more. That's my personal opinion. And the reason... I feel this way is because the only real way to stop tanking, in my opinion, is to eliminate the lottery altogether. Go to the same format Major League Baseball uses and NFL uses. Worst record, first pick, end of story. And you know why I feel that will mitigate tanking? It's because you won't have any of these second-half post-All-Star break teams all of a sudden fire selling and just trying to bottom out to, to get it to get increase their chances of getting the number one pick. If you're if you're the if you're the ninth or tenth team in the conference, or even the eleventh team in the conference, and it's already past the all star break, you already know if there's no lottery, you already know there's no way you're going to get to the first or second or third worst record. You know you already know at best what level of pick you're going to get. So at that point, you're better off trying to get the 8 seed than trying to f- than trying to increase non-existent odds of getting the number 1 pick. So you're saying 
at that point set the draft position? No, what I'm saying is at that point, you already know you don't have a shot of being the worst team in the league. See, now all these teams after the All-Star break, they some teams tank from the beginning of the season, but there's a lot of teams that once it didn't work out the way they, they wanted, then in the second half, they just bottom out to increase their chances of getting of getting a, a number one pick. So even if you're the, the 11th or 12th team in the conference, hey, I still have a 10, 12, 14% chance of getting that number one pick. Let's see if we can lose a, a bit more and get to 13th or 14th. And, and that way we'll, we'll increase our odds just a bit more. And we see like the Cavs, the Pelicans, teams like that, they were not even anywhere close to being the worst team and they got the number one pick. So as long as, you're, as long as you don't try to make the playoffs, you put yourself in a, in a position to get the number one pick. What I'm saying is if you get rid of the lottery, teams won't have that luxury because if you're, if you're like, you know, around 500 or a few games under 500 and you're like the 10th or 11th seed in the conference, you already know you're, you're, you have a better chance of getting the AC than getting, than getting a, a, a top five pick in the draft. So at that point, you're not going to try and bottom out because you already know how many other how, how, how many games ahead these other teams are. So you'll, you'll play out the string. Maybe you'll try and evaluate who you have. You won't just trade players to bottom out. But see, the league will never do that. You know why? Why? Because the league wants tanking to keep going. They want it to keep going. The dirty secret is they know that tanking is part of what's built up the NBA's popularity in the last five years to 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 ten years. They know that there's something special they have going on where whether you're the Warriors or the Sixers, June is important to you. You see, they know that, okay, there's fan bases where they're not going to win this year, but now they have the excitement of, well, maybe we'll get the number one pick. And they like that because it keeps the fans engaged. It keeps them invested in their teams. It keeps them on the on the blogs. It keeps them on NBA.com. It keeps them looking at anything NBA-related on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, because they want to know where their odds are, and then they want to know if they have the chance for the number one pick. The lo- the You look, look no further than the fact that they televise – the lottery it's it's a whole event right mm-hmm. it's a whole event so they have that event and then they have the and that and and that's pink that's just ping pong balls they could have easy just they could easily just put that out as a press release but no it's a whole event they get it gets high ratings people want to see where their team's gonna land so they they know what this they know the lottery helps when it comes to their popularity when it comes to when it comes to their bottom line what they're trying to do is window dress and show their appall over tanking just so it looks like they're not okay with it. And that's where the other rule comes into play about resting players. This rule for resting players is kind of it's kind of like not even necessary at this point. You're starting the season what three three weeks earlier than normal this year? And to, and you did that so you could mitigate the large number of back-to-back games that were happening in previous years. So if all of the good teams won't have to rest their players because they won't have back-to-back games anymore, then who does this rule 
target to make sure that they keep playing their players. The players, the teams who are in going to the playoffs. The teams, the teams who aren't going to the playoffs, right? Who aren't going to the playoffs, right. The yeah. teams that are tanking or that might tank. So this is this is just window dressing. This is just this is just a facade to to say we're not gonna take tanking. We're not with it. But behind the scenes, they're okay with it. They are, and that's why I don't like this rule because I feel like I feel like this is these these reforms are disingenuous, and they're trying to say that they're fixing tanking with this, and they're really not. They're really not. The teams that that the teams that want to tank will still tank this year. In fact, you might even get more ta- teams try to tank because now instead of trying to get to the, be the worst record to get the highest odds, they know they have, only have to be one of the three worst teams to get the best odds. <sighs> I think that's it. All right. So my thoughts on it is I don't feel nearly as angry or upset about it than you, as you do. I don't think it's a big deal that they made this change. They weren't going to do anything drastic, such as getting rid of the the lottery. They they weren't going to do that. That type of lottery has existed for so many years in some way, fashion, or form. It's, it started way before with the coin flip, because and then it went to um, the bottom four teams, and then it went to you know, it, it's just something that's kind of always been there. And I think that mindset with Adam Silver is like, look, I'm going to try to keep the teams happy. I want to keep the fans happy, keep the players happy. And I want to make sure that we make some kind of change that will keep everyone involved. That's not going to totally stir the pot, totally throw everything up. And when you look at a Wikipedia page on the NBA lottery throughout the years, they won't see this drastic change. If you look at the way the lottery is structured right now with the 14% for those bottom three teams, mm-hmm. that's kind of in line with what was done years ago. I mean, the in the past, the bottom two teams in the division had an equal chance of getting the first pick. Later on, the the bottom four teams or whatever had that chance. So it it, it kind of all fell in line with there, but it also gave the other teams an opportunity also to get that first pick. So I think their big thing was we didn't want to make it a slam dunk that or I mean it really isn't a slam dunk. It, I mean you it, only got a twenty five percent Right. So you're tanking necessarily when you tank, you're really just tanking to increase your odds. You're not tanking to actually get that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Philly was the so, worst team for what, like four years straight, and they only got the number one pick right. once out of that time. Out of that time, the, the right. The, the so that's why I feel like the, it's not a slam dunk. The Nets were they have the record for worst. They have they have they they broke the worst record, um, mark, right? The year John Wall was coming out, and everyone thought the Nets were gonna get John Wall. And they ended up with the third pick. They didn't even get the t- number two pick. They got leapfrogged by two other teams that year. Right. Um, you know, and and it keeps going on like that. The 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 Bobcats that their last year before they became the Hornets that that lottery shortened year. They were terrible. They were clearly the worst team 
in the league. They only had like seven wins, but it was a a, a strike a strike short in season, so it wasn't the same. But their losing percentage was terrible, and then the Pelicans still got the number one pick that year, and they had like I think they had like maybe twenty more wins than the Bobcats that year. So it, this never guaranteed that tanking would 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 work the the way the structure the system was set up before and and really this is this is just this is just kind of like a middle finger to Sam Hinkie that's all this really is they just don't want anyone being as overt as he was about the tanking process and they want right. to make sure that that doesn't happen again they don't want to stop tanking they just don't want people prancing it around like Sam Hinkie did Tanking, tanking is never going away. No matter what they do, no matter how you change it, tanking is not going away. People but, are going to tank to get what they want. Of course, but it's going to happen. But that's but that's why this is that's why I have a problem with this because they did this change acting like they've solved tanking, and even Daryl Morey trolled it with his tweet today. Did you see that tweet? Right. He added Sam Hinking and said tanking has been solved. He didn't mean that. He was trolling with that comment. Right, people are still gonna tank, and and you just decrease the odds. It's you, you're just taking the odds, and you made them more equal across the board. So now, yes, the top three teams, fourteen percent, but then when you look down, the percentages are closer together. So really, that first pick, the odds aren't so much out of the favor of like someone who is the sixth or seventh worst team. They have. And even no, their chances are better, you know, whatever. I, I, honestly, I don't think it made much of a difference. I think it just was a forward step in trying to um, enhance the lottery process. You know, I'm not totally upset about that. I was kind of shocked with the whole resting players thing. I think that was a bit much, though. You thought I, that I wouldn't. Was you thought that was a yeah. bit much. Yeah, I was I was kind of like, okay, now you're gonna, you know, you want to find players for resting, find teams for resting guys um, for I mean, as I mentioned nationally tele- televised games. Um, I mean, I'm okay with that. All, all you're gonna do, all you're gonna do then is really just come up with a cockamamie injury, you know? Okay, sprained ankle. But but here's the thing, play. though. Like, like here's the thing. Team, teams aren't gonna really feel the need to rest players like they did before because you're starting the season earlier. You've cut down the number of back-to-backs, and and I'm not sure. I might be speaking out of turn, but I think they've set up the the national TV schedule to kind of limit how many teams or to avoid any teams playing on national TV in a back-to-back. So with all of those things already in place, you really didn't need the rule, which is my point that this is just more about optics. Right. This is more about optics. They don't want they they can't Adam Silver doesn't want to continue with with the league operating in a way where there's fans who can get outraged that that the best players sat out a game. And that's why he had to make it seem like he was doing something. That's right. fine. Right, it's when this, like I said, this is window dressing. They already, they already solved the real problem by moving the season up three weeks and by cutting down on the back-to-backs. That already solved that problem. But to kind of present 
a no-nonsense policy about this now they've added the rule change where they can penalize you so now those fans can can feel safe and secure adam silver is on the job and he's going to protect our our ticket purchases so that we won't go there and not see a bunch of b-listers playing the whole game so now the next thing they're gonna have to solve for are those games where they put the guy in for the first quarter and rest him for the rest of the game and then where does it stop, though? Right? Where does it stop? If- yeah. So then, so now, so now you got to go and manage that. See, I hear what you're saying, and, and as a fan, I mean, I, I I go back to that one game. I believe it was the Spurs and Miami, right? Where the Spurs rested their guys, and it was like, okay, this game is garbage now. You you totally messed up my night because I went to watch this game, and instead of watching. The guys who I thought was gonna I was gonna see, or this finals rematch. Instead, I'm seeing you know bench players out there, and I didn't care for that. And I understand you want to change the dynamic, you know. And I like Adam and Adam Silver. I think he's just trying to make something work because he's tired. Of, he, he 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 hears it, and right. I like the fact that he's hearing it. And he says, "Well, let me try to do something about it." And you know, you want to create funds, want to create awareness that look. We made the season start earlier. I like that. The preseason shorter. I like that. I like all those things. You know, now you can say, okay, now we're going to start finding players. Okay. Oh, sure. You're going to find teams. Okay. I mean, I understand where he's going with it. I just think that, you know, it's not my it's not my thing. And I guess what's going to happen, too, is you're going to come to the end of the season, especially when teams already have things wrapped up and it's game 80, 81. And they're like, we don't want to play our guys. They're for a lot of minutes. We rather them just rest for the playoffs. So now they're going to have to play. And then it's going to play like one quarter or play a few minutes and then rest for the rest of the game. That's what's going to happen. But I understand, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see how it plays out during the course of this season. Um, but overall, Considering the lottery reform, considering the resting things, I think Silver is really trying to fix things. And I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the effort. I'd rather him do something than for us to go another season when you have a team like the Sixers have in the past blatantly tank and have that dialogue constantly, you know, in the news or in media. So I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool with the fact that Silver felt like he had to do something. But in the big picture, what did what the Sixers did? And and I'm not a fan of it. I don't and I'm not a fan of it just because I don't feel in the sense that I don't feel that that's the way you need to operate in order to eventually find success. Like I don't believe that tanking guarantees future success the way it gets put out there by some. So that is my problem with it. But big picture, okay. big picture, what the Sixers did did not damage the league. Because it did not. While it was a talking point, we still had this amazing run 
by the Warriors happening in the same time span. We got to see this epic um, rivalry between the Warriors and the Cavs. We got to see Russ's amazing MVP season. We got to see Curry's back-to-back MVP seasons. Like, if anything, the NBA was growing in popularity while the Sixers were tanking. And now the Sixers have this collection of young players and there's so much excitement. Everybody's already got them penciled in for the playoffs. It, where did where did the tanking hurt? The fan base is happy they have these players now. Let me tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with tanking. I don't. I I think tanking is a perfectly fine way for you to get the team that you want. Now, are you taking a chance, especially in the case of the Sixers, when you tank and you only have a percentage chance to actually land the first pick, yeah, you are taking a chance. Right. But I mean, we're in a, we're we're in a in, in a in a league where the the balance of power in the league is so weak. It's such a weak. I mean, it, it, it's not, I'm not say weak. It's so imbalanced. Imbalanced. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Where from from one to the bottom is so huge, and what are we what are we going to say about that like so if i feel like look i have no chance of landing any of these free agents cuz now you have a team let's say okc you already have you already have um paul george you already have westbrook then you somehow convinced mellow to waive his no trade clause to give up his trade kicker to go to okc to make a super team then it's like okay so now we have amongst the best players in the league three of them on the same team how does that make the league look it's actually it's gonna it's good for the league like i'm not i'm not per se a super team fan but what i will say is that when in any league in any league, when there is a collection of amazing talent on the same team, it increases the viewership of that sport. Okay, it, it so it, it increases the because the general and, fan, the general fan, is more likely to tune in because they're like, "Oh wow, there's all these these famous names, and wow, they're winning a bunch of games. Let's see, let me see what's going on." the The general fan is more inclined to watch or or have a higher perception of the league when 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 it's top heavy that's just a fact that's just a fact okay so now so it's good for the fans we're interested but now what about that team owner who now is building a team and they know they have no chance no chance at all and they're like the only way i'm going to get better is i mean who am i going to sign am i going to sign these c-list players and hopes that these players actually contribute and actually do something i mean we're about to talk about the 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 southeast division yeah a big yawn (laughs) it is it is but but is that but is that really a fault of the draft system or tanking or is that more of a fault of who has been in ownership and who they hire i mean if if silver really wanted to stop tanking he would he would put owners on the hot seats i mean that's really how you stop tanking right because you have teams that their gms are horrible and they've been horrible and they don't fire them like look at the pelicans dell demps 
was the GM even before the current owner. He was the GM for the previous owner who who had declared bankruptcy and couldn't keep owning the team anymore, stayed the GM while the NBA owned it, and is still the GM after the new owner came in. And they've just been puttering around, kicking rocks. I don't know what they're doing. They they had a nice playoff run, right? Finally get to the playoffs. Finally get Anthony Davis in the playoffs. And what did they do that same summer? They fired the head coach. Right. And so, so to penalize your point, that, that's what you have. Penalize owners who fire head coaches or GMs after they just brought success to their team. Hey. I mean, if you really want to get rid of tanking, that's what you should do. Because then every owner would know they have to come in here with the impetus to win. Now, of course, some teams are going to be bad. It's, it's, you're never going to get away from that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like a couple years ago, I remember Milwaukee, they, they signed a bunch of guys. They signed Karan Butler, a whole bunch of guys, and they thought it was going to work. And it went real bad. And they ended up and they ended up drafting number two, and they got Jabari Parker. But they didn't keep tanking to get more more players. They kept they just kept trying to build and get back to going into the playoffs. And they've drafted smart while they've been in the in the playoff position or close to the playoffs in these past right. years. I mean, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the only way. I mean, if teams not, do that, and the, it doesn't guarantee anything. So let it be. It's not. It's not a guarantee. It's 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 one way to say, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. To me, the owners have to answer their fan base. That too, you have to answer to. Right. When your when you, when your fans stop paying for tickets because they don't like the product on the floor, that's when you have to answer. Now, in some cases, you know, in the case of the Sixers, they tanked for a while. Now you look at it and they say, oh wow, we got players who we can stand behind. We're excited. We're hopeful. Fine, whatever. Let that be the, the case. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. And, I mean, what are you going to do? It, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I, I think we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. We still got to talk about the Southeast Division. Um, but it's an interesting topic. The topic of tanking I don't think is ever going to not be a, a, de- a highly debatable topic. Um I don't think these rule changes are going to stop that from being a highly debatable topic. And that and that's really my real problem is they did a whole lot of work supposedly to address a status quo that they're not addressing. I think you brought up a good point about how it creates even more intrigue to the lottery, what they did, which goes back to my point that they secretly know that tanking is important to their popularity. And that makes the lottery a little more exciting because now more teams have more chances and things like that to get the number one pick, which is fine, which is cool. But don't don't try and feed it like you're stopping tanking, and that's and that's where I got upset. Right, that's fair. Yeah. So moving on, we we've been going through our NBA preseason preview. Um, we did the whole Western Conference the last three weeks, and, and now we're on to the Eastern Conference, and we're going to start off with the Southeast Division. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leif is already starting with his hot takes about the Southeast Division, um, but we're going to start off with the good, like we do in every division, and we're going to start off with the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards had a very good season last year. They 
were close to being a 50-win team. They got to the second round of the playoffs, almost got to the Eastern Conference Finals, basically got thwarted by Kelly Olynyk in Game 7 against the Boston Celtics. And you have to wonder if he didn't go off like that, if he didn't get hot, and if they were able to have any kind of bench support to give John Wall and Bradley Beal a breather, would that series have gone another way? And I tend to think it would have. But let's get into it. Um, they didn't do much in terms of change. Um, they they've gotten some. They got some players to support the bench. They got. Um, I don't know who did they get. They got Jody Meeks, Sheldon Mack, Tim Frazier. Hopefully that's some better guard play than uh, you know Ramon Sessions and Brandon Jennings last year. But they're still hoping Yamihimi and Jason Smith can do quality minutes. And it's a, it's a lot of the same with this team, right? It's a lot of the same. I mean, Otto Porter is their uh, most expensive player now. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got you got so they increased the payroll. Okay, cool. <laughs> You're right. With the same players. I mean I mean this is just until Wall's extension kicks in next year. Granted, but you know, they, they and I guess that's the that's the biggest question. And I'm gonna go straight into I'm gonna skip a question. I'm gonna go straight into my X Factor. And my X okay. Factor is Otto Porter. Because I was of the opinion they should have just let him go to the Nets. The Nets put that offer sheet out. It was crazy. It was weirdly front-loaded or back-loaded. I forget how they did it. But it was a very weird contract. It included a no-trade clause. It was all kinds of nonsense going on with that trade, with that with that offer sheet, rather. And, and I was of the opinion they should have just let him walk. If the Nets want to do all that and put all that stuff in the contract, here, congratulations, you got them. Because they could have left that money for other players and they could have said, Kelly Oubre, next man up. Because I honestly personally have, don't see a ton of difference between Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter other than Otto Porter was drafted before Kelly Oubre and, was, was deci- and they decided that he was going to get more of the shots. I felt like Kelly Oubre could have did a, a 90% facsimile of Otto Porter this season, and they could have used that money elsewhere. So he has a lot to prove to me when it comes to Otto Porter. So that's a fair for your X Factor. Um, I'm not even going to talk about Otto Porter. He has potential, but I think he's overpaid. And I agree. He should have just went over to the Nets. I think for Washington, they picked him up because really they were like, where else are we going to add? I mean, they, they weren't going to get any other players on that team. And so they figured, let's at least try to keep the team intact a little bit. And so mm-hmm. they kind of handcuffed themselves by signing that contract. And we'll see what happens in a couple of years when, you know, they're looking to upgrade and no one's going to want to take that contract when they figure out that, you know, Porter is just who he is, you know. Mm. Um, my X factor is Bradley Bill. I think this is the year he has to do something more. Um, one of, we know his potential. We want him to stay healthy, and I think he can. I, I think he has talent. I, I I have no reason to think that he can't continue to be that sidekick for John Wall. Yeah, that's a good one. I love Bradley Beal. He's a great player. I love his game. 
Uh, I'm happy that he was able to stay pretty healthy last year. Hopefully he can continue it. Um, that's a good. That's a good X factor because I think, you know, if he is able to keep elevating his game and 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 stay on par with John Wall in that backcourt, then even though they didn't add any players, I think just maybe the gains that hit that him and Wall make this year presumably can can help them get to another level. Um, and that's why the player I'm looking most forward to watch is John Wall. John Wall is one of my favorite players. Um, been that way since day one. I, I think he's coming really close to being, you know, top two point guard in the league, top three maybe. And I think this is going to be the year we, we hear John Wall MVP chatter. I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I, I had him listed as my player to watch. I like John Wall, and he's a very exciting player. He he keeps getting better, and it seems like he always adds to his game. So it's not like you're going to see the same thing year in, year out. And I think last year he had a really good year. And he's the reason for anyone really to watch Washington. He, I mean, he's the one who's going to keep him in, and that team will go as he goes. So – with that, if he's good and he's healthy and he's still going, I think we can see the Wizards going as high as the third seed in the, in the East, if you ask me. Yeah, that's a good one. So that, that segues right into where, where what do we think is the uh, most likely scenario for this team? Where do we think they end up? And so, so you think they're going to be a top three seed in the East? They have the potential to be a top three seed. Oh well, I'll say three. I'll say I will say anywhere between three and five is a lock. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more a little more committal. I'm gonna say at least three, maybe some potential for number two in the East. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think they get to the conference finals this year. I think that's I can see it. Whether they play Cleveland or Boston remains to be seen. But uh, I think they can get to the conference finals this year. And um, and once they're there... They could. Once they're there, I mean, I think it's anyone's game. I would have loved to have seen them play Cleveland last year in the conference finals instead of Boston. Um, Boston really didn't put up a fight against Cleveland. They, I don't... You just knew they didn't match up well enough with, with Cleveland to, to give them a hard fight. They weren't ready yet. Whereas if Washington had made it, John Wall, Bradley Beal, that superstar talent, and that and those are guys that don't back down, you know. So I think they would have brought a little more dog, a little more fight, and and I would have liked to see how Cleveland fared against that team. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. So we're good things. So and obviously we both feel like they're gonna run away with this division, right? Oh yeah, not a problem. They, yeah, it's gonna be easy. They'll have they'll have this vision locked up by a, a month or two in the season, in my opinion. Mm. It'll be no problem. All right, so lot to uh, look forward to for the DC fan base. So now we go to the team that finished second in the division last year, and I don't think they'll be anywhere close to that this year. That's the Atlanta Hawks. So the Atlanta Hawks, they finally have decided i guess to blow it up and start over 
Paul Millsap left in free agency. They may or may not have even really tried to bring him back. Um, They traded Dwight Howard as well after they just signed him last summer. Which I heard they that the the team celebrated and they were excited about that. So yeah, that's... I heard that too. I mean, that's always what you want to hear, right? <laughs> when when you get traded, that uh, people celebrated your exit. Um, and now this is basically a team where they're gonna hope Bazemore bounces back after a disappointing season after he got paid. And they're going to look to see if Dennis Schroeder can, you know, maybe figure it out a bit. And they're just going to they're going to watch and hope. And if you're a fan, you're just going to you're just going to be on the lookout for John Collins just disrespecting people at the rim with dunks. That's pretty much it. There's not much you can say about them this year. No, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the East. Easily, I think. Yeah. I Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not much I can say about this team. And I even I mean, wrote that down in my notes. It's yeah, like, I mean, what am I going to say? I know. And, I mean, we're not talking about and, – and we were talking about tanking. This isn't a team I that I would say looks to tank. I just don't think they can do They're anything trying. better. I don't think – once they made the moves that they did, once they knew – and, you know, I give them credit because – Resigning Millsap for whatever it was going to take to bring him back wasn't really necessarily a smart endeavor in itself. And you already knew Dwight Howard was not working out for your team, so you needed to part ways with him. And letting Millsap walk led you at least just focus on getting whatever you could back for Dwight Howard as opposed to feeling pressured to get something you can compete with for Dwight Howard, which would maybe have left you stuck with Dwight Howard once again. Right. So, yeah. So now, if you, so now, when you look at this team, who's your X factor? Who's my X factor? My X factor is is Bazemore, I think. You really? Know, yeah. Like, can can can't Bazemore have like a Tim Hardaway Jr. season this year? That's really what you're looking for. Whether because you're looking to build upon him, or whether because you're looking to see if you can trade him for some for some draft picks and and speed up this rebuilding process. Yeah, I, I yeah, he's he's gonna get his his play. I had Ilyasova. Yeah, Ilyasova. Um, yeah, I have him as an X factor. He he has he played well last season. Not necessarily on. The, yeah, yeah, he's Atlanta. a good player. Well, he's a good player, and so, I mean, he's gonna have a chance to get away. And what Atlanta's gonna do? They're gonna try to put him in a position where he plays so above his head that it increases his trade value. <laughs> they're gonna trade him off, but um, he's an X factor in more ways than one. Um, if if he plays well, then that puts Atlanta in a good position, but also raises his value and gets shipped out again. Right. So I think they need him. They, he's my X factor. Right. So I, I feel like we have the same player who we want to watch. So I want you to go first and see if we're the same here. I'm, I'm going to go with John Collins. Me too. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, <laughs> he was just destroying the rim in summer league. So he looks fun. Yeah. He looks like a fun player. I mean, Atlanta, they're not playing for anything this year, so he's going to get his minutes. So I'm just looking forward to see if we can get some highlight dunks out of him this year, just see him throw it down on people. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, some Harrison Barnes, Andre Wiggins, Zach Levine-esque dunks uh, just on dudes trying to block because they don't even know that they're not supposed to jump on it with this dude yet. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching him. He he is something. And he was – I saw some of his stuff in the summer league. He He's good. He is good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in Atlanta. And and they say they want to try to take it slow with him. You know, they want to put him right out there. But I hope they give him a chance because I really want to see what he can do. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. So we both we both see this – the Hawks being is one of the worst teams in the East this year, right? Uh, yeah. I would say they'll be like the third or fourth worst team in the East. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Was, you know, when we do our recap show, I got to put the old teams in order. Yeah. You know, I mean, the East can the East can be so bad that. This team can actually find themselves eighth. <laughs> That's like, that is not out the realm of possibility. Well, you That's know, if, if Budenholzer, how the gets, East is like, yeah, if he gets some commitment and Bazemore plays more like they thought he would when they gave him that contract, and and Schroeder, you know, you, he, I mean, he's the main guy now. Schroeder's the main guy. If he turns into this like Kyrie Irving kind of scorer. Then maybe you know they could sneak in with like a thirty-eight, thirty-nine win season and get the eight seed because it's probably only going to take that much to get the eight seed this year. But other than that, you know, I really don't see it. What I do see is Schroeder jacking up a lot of shots, Baysmore being who he is, and they're just gonna and Budenholzer is just gonna have to try and see what he has in all these rookie and second-year players to see if any of them have um, staying power moving forward. Um, but that's enough Hawks talk. Let's just move on, man. Yeah, let's just move on. Keep it moving. So now we're going to go to Miami Heat. Oh, I can talk about Miami a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Miami, they had a lackluster start to the season. And then they had this amazing run after January where they became one of the best teams record-wise in the league, but they fell just short on the last day of the season. When you know the Nets basically rolled over for Chicago, so that they could get the A seed, and they they missed out on the playoffs, but this team comes back once again with a lot of that team that turned it on after January, and they added a couple pieces. They added Kelly Olynyk. They they drafted some interesting players like Bam Adebayo, and you're looking at. Another year for guys like Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson to step up, step it up once again and fill that potential that Miami believes in with them. And you got another year of Whiteside. Goran Dragic is coming off an amazing Euro basket tournament where his country won, Slovenia. And all right, let's just get into it. Who's your X factor for the Miami Heat? Yeah, so my X factor is Whiteside for sure. I think he has the potential to take his game up another notch and to be recognized as one of the top centers in the league. 
And I think he can possibly be an all-star this year. I, I can, I think he can do it. Um, and right now on Miami, they're going to compete. And with they're only going to compete if he continues to excel and continues to grow his game. So I know that I thought about other players on the team. I thought about Dragic. I thought about some of the waiters. But I really want to see Whiteside take his game up just a little bit more. That's a good pick. I like Whiteside. You know, he's been doing he's been doing work. I mean, I think he is going to be an all star just because I mean, there's there's going to be a limited amount of options for the Eastern Conference All Star team this year. So many of the stalwarts have left and went to the Western Conference. It's going to be crazy. I mean, he's he's on the short list of front court players who should probably be on the all-star team this year for the east so that's a good x factor um my had a feeling you're gonna pick him he's my x factor Uh, yeah this is why he had a great he had a great second half of the season for miami um but he got paid now so he's my x factor because i want to see is 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 it that miami just have this is just where it's gonna work for him. This is where this is a good spot for him. This is where he belongs, or is it gonna be like a Lance Stevenson situation that he gets his contract and then all the knucklehead stuff comes back and he he's not playing the way he should? I don't think that's gonna happen. The big difference between him and Lance is Lance got that got that contract from another team, not the team that figured out how to use him. Whereas with Waiters, he's on the team where he had his breakout. So that's the one difference there, and it worked well for Whiteside. They they paid Whiteside. He still continues to produce. So I want to see if it's able to go that same way for Waiters, because if it, do if you it think does, Waiters is going to press Miami's a little bit? Like a and he's going to have some struggle. Conference. No, because I don't think Waiters is the type of guy that gets nervous. In all honesty. Waiters is the kind of right. guy. Right. I wouldn't even call it nervousness. I would just call it no the fact that he might get so caught up and Yeah, he might try to do too much. You mean like go nut? Oh, he's probably gonna go nut, but it, it this team kind of works in a way that it, it allows for those moments from him. You know, because you get you get the good you get the good and the bad. Well, I think the biggest difference for for Waiters and and we have to see if it holds up is his three point percentage, because he had a he had a pretty solid three point percentage last year for Miami, which was kind of like the missing piece for his game. So if he's able to sustain that again this year and be like a high thirty percent on three point shooter or even improve on that mark, I think you're getting the same yeah, quality Dion Waiters this year once again. All right, so. Who's the I player see you're Winslow. looking forward to watch the most on the Miami Heat? Yeah, yeah. What's going on with him? You yeah, know, right? he his like, season ended early last him, year, right? and he's saying that he feels he can be an All Star. And there's a lot of hype around him, I, and he's shown mm-hmm. some glimpses. And I'm not sure whether or not he's going to put it all together. But if he mm-hmm. could, he's one of the players I liked when he came out of the draft. 
Um, I actually want to play people who thought shit went a little higher. And mm-hmm. so can he put it all together? I mean, now's a golden opportunity yeah. for him to do that. So I'm going to say Winslow. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, hmm. Player, I'm gonna go with Goran Dragic. I'm a I'm a I'm a Goran Dragic guy. I, I I always felt like he's underrated. That he's a better player than he gets credit for. He was amazing in Phoenix that year. They almost went to the playoffs. He was really good for Miami. That um when they when they went on that big run from January on, he was amazing for them. They finally like figured out some things that uh, that were able to unlock him. And the offense, and he just came off a, a great summer with in the European Euro Basket tournament. Had a great had a great display there. So he's a guy that is, looks poised to have a, a, a another great season, maybe even a, a breakout season. Um, maybe this is even a year he makes the All Star team. When you look about the limited options in the East, I mean, I, there's still there's still quite a bit of guards, but. If he's playing well and Miami's looking good, they're looking like, you know, and I'm going to throw this out there now, a top four. Miami top four team in the East. Watch out for Goran Dragic. Well, you're putting your nose up, but we're really only talking about them maybe being better than Yeah, that's why I feel like I have to keep Toronto there. I have to keep – I mean, they just stay together. Why? I mean – yeah, but Toronto was already better than Miami. So did Miami. True, true. Not, not I, from January. I will say Miami definitely makes the playoffs. I see them fifth. I'm going to go sixth most likely, but I would not be surprised, uh, be surprised. if they made it to the top four. At fifth, anyway. I don't have a lot of faith in Toronto. Yeah, I think it's I see Milwaukee. Milwaukee I see them in Toronto. So you know what? I'm gonna say six because I forgot about. I I didn't count. So yeah, so six, six, seven. Yeah, so six. I and I think that's fair. And I, and I think that that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good spot for them. And we'll see if they can do it. So next up is. The Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets had a disappointing year last year after they made the playoffs the year before. Things just didn't click. Zeller got hurt. That seemed to be a big a big uh, missing piece for them. And Batum didn't have as great a year as he did the year before. Things just kind of became choppy, and, and they missed the playoffs. Yay. They made a trade. They got Dwight Howard now, for <laughs> better or worse. Uh, I mean, they didn't give up much for him, so it doesn't hurt that in, in that sense. And I yeah, think the big, the big addition, addition to is going to be that they drafted Malik Monk. So, all right. I mean, I guess I'll go first, talk about X-Factors. And my X-Factor like is going to be Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And the reason, and the reason is because, yeah, we, we've – been down this road a long time with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I think, you know, similarly to your your uh, point about Justice Winslow, what I'm wondering about Justice Winslow is he's going to be a, is he going to be another MKG? 
And now what I'm wondering about MKG is he fi- is he finally going to have a healthy, productive season? Because we know the defense is there, and we know that he's a useful player even though he doesn't have a jump shot. But if he's able to find any type of of productive offensive game where he's just not – if he's able to not be Andre Roberson on offense and is still able to bring that defense for, for Charlotte – I mean, wow! I mean, they can really turn. Uh, gotcha. They can really turn things around. I, I have Batum, and he got to bounce back. They gave him a good amount of money. Yeah, he's, they, he's they're looking at back. him to be that that leader. I mean, sure is Kimba Walker, but they're looking at him to be that veteran presence. So that's why I feel like the team will go if he does well. I, yeah. I do like your MKG pick though. He's important as well. So. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't feel like. I wouldn't feel bad saying that when it comes to X factors, it's like an A B situation with, you know, with Gilchrist and with um, Batum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Batum. He he's he's got to be the second best player on this team. He he just is. He has to be. And if if he plays like that, then they're they're gonna be a strong playoff team again but you know if he if he's he's lacking you know then that's gonna hurt them because they need his playmaking they need him to step up and be that secondary guy um the player i'm most looking looking forward to watch is malik monk Um, yeah i want to see what he does i want to see how he pairs with kemba walker i mean they there's a little bit of a Small backcourt issue by playing Monk and Kemba Walker together. Um, but at the same time, when you look at this roster, he's already probably their best second guard to, to play with, with, with Kemba Walker. And if he's able to hit and if he's able to play up to his abilities, you could be looking at another Lillard McCullum type It of would. And and that's that what makes it so exciting. And... Monk just has to wait, just learn, and if he waits and learns and gets, his, he'll get his opportunity, and it's gonna be exciting to watch to see what he's able to do. He'll he'll get his chance. I, I can see him definitely carving out a niche yeah. on the team, and they'll give him an opportunity to succeed on that team as well. Right, and and he's a guy. I mean, he could be a, a, a get some sleeper Roy buzz too, depending how he how he works here. With Charlotte this year, they they're gonna be a team that needs points because outside of Kemba, they don't get a lot of scoring. Nicholas Nicholas Batum, we talk about he's the second best player, but he's more of a do it all type of guy. He he's never really been like a flat out scorer. Even last year was like one of his highest points per game, and he he had 50, he had fifteen points per game. He's really not looking to score like that. So there's there's gonna be. There's going to be shots available, and they're going to come Monk's way. So if he's able to get, like, 14, 15 points per game, even in his rookie year, I mean, and they're going to the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised he, he starts getting some Roy buzz. I wouldn't go as far as rookie of the year available. buzz, but, yeah, he, he'll get some buzz. You'll, you'll hear about him. He's a name that I think everyone should look out for. I agree. I agree. And – a lot of teams are going to be shaking their heads True. and wondering why True. they There's a few up teams I can think of. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, you drafted 11th. 
there was at least three or four teams that could have drafted him or should have drafted him rather. And so we, yeah, so we're gonna have to see if these if uh, these teams are are gonna regret it, and I think they will. So Charlotte, uh, I'm gonna say seventh seed, eighth. I think they're gonna make seventh seed. Best case. Eighth. Mm. Okay, okay. I I think I'm already knowing yep. who you you have for seventh. So we'll leave <laughs> that for another episode. Please. Um, so <laughs> let's just wrap this oh, up with man. the last team we're going to talk about: the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic had a bit of a down season. <laughs> let's just call it that. I mean, they parted ways. They traded. Uh, they traded. Victor Oladipo and the draft pick that became Donatus Sabonis for Serge Ibaka last year, who they then traded to Toronto for Terrence Ross. So they essentially turned a draft pick and Victor Oladipo into Yay, Terrence Ross. What an awesome man! That's, that's when you're talking about GMs and what they're doing. That that's that's bad. Yeah. Right, and obviously <laughs> Rob Hennigan no longer the GM in Orlando after those moves. Um, not surprised. Yeah. Frank Vogel's still the coach, believe it or not, and this is—I'm a little surprised. Um, this is a team which doesn't look to be any more interesting or better than it was last year. I mean, they signed Jonathan Simmons, they drafted Jonathan Isaac. So they really hit the market hard and got all the Jonathans that they could this summer. <laughs> and I'm just it's gonna be Aaron Gordon. Who who is your X factor? Uh, they talk a lot about him, a lot of upside, a lot of potential, but he hasn't shown it yet. And it's quite disappointing. But will this be the year that we see it? That's the that's the question I have. Will we see it this year? I'm hoping that they give him I mean they're trying to give him every opportunity to succeed and and it hasn't clicked yet you know is he just an athletic mm-hmm. guy you know who could dunk out of the gym or is he a guy who's going to take that energy and actually take that raw ability he has and refine it and I'm hoping that this year we see a more refined Aaron Gordon Yeah, um, I mean, his, his numbers have been improving kind of somewhat every year, but this this is a this is a big year for him. Um, you know, he's going to be up for his rookie max <laughs> after this year. Um, so it's a critical point. I'm not expecting much from him, but that's because I feel the roster is not going to let him do what he needs to do. And, and that's why my X Factor is Nikola Vucevic. My X Factor is Nikola Vucevic because I am going to see if he can pl- – I want to know if he's going to play well enough to help this Orlando team get some more draft picks and some better assets because he's got to be a trade – he's got to be a trade chip. They got to be looking to trade this guy. He's on a pretty friendly contract considering what other guys are getting in the NBA right now. He's only got this season and next season uh, – um, left on the deal 
I mean, if he plays well enough, I'm, I'm sure there's some team that could find some use for him, some playoff team that could use him as a third big or or use him as a fill-in for their big that got injured at, at, a, at the wrong possible time. So that's my X factor because they need to make some trades. They got Biombo on this team who they're paying $17 million for some reason. And they got him, they got Vucevic, and they and they got these guys that are just clogging the paint. Doesn't really allow Aaron Gordon to play the four because they got to give these guys minutes. So let's let's just see what they do with Vucevic and if he plays well enough to to get yeah um, a nice trade in return. All right, so I'm looking for the Jonathan. Looking forward to watching Jonathan Isaac and Jonathan Simmons. Two, two different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Simmons, he left San Antonio yeah. to go here, and I think he's hoping that he can break out a little bit. So I'm curious to see what he can do. He he had I thought San Antonio was a good spot for him. I I, I was kind of surprised he decided to leave, but let's see if getting more minutes mm-hmm. and having more rain free reign in Orlando actually leads to him increasing his numbers. Jonathan Isaac, just because he's an awesome player. I mean, he has a, he's a good player. I, I feel bad for him on Orlando. I wish that he went some up somewhere else, but hopefully he can take this situation and do something with it. Okay. I like your, I like your picks. You kind of stole some of my thunder there. I'm just going to go with, I'm going to go with Terrence Ross because that guy's going to chuck all year. He's just going to jack up shot after shot. And I want to see how padded he can, how much he can pad oh, yeah. his stats He's gonna pad on the Orlando Magic. So that's what I'm looking for. He, he He's, he's going to have a chucker season to rival all chucker seasons this year. And, you know, some team is going to bite on it. Some team is going to be like, oh, wow, Terrence Ross. Maybe he can do something. And they're going to trade for him. Or they're going to, yeah, because he's actually, he's on a pretty decent contract. Only 10 and a half mil the next two years. So I'm sure I'm sure he'll shoot his way out of Orlando either by February or by next summer. True. And uh, True. I want to see, I want to see if he can, uh, if he can do that. So, um, so most, most likely, likely scenario for Orlando. Second worst team in the league. Second or third. They're gonna be awful. This yeah. no. Th- to to me, this is the worst team in the league. I I I'm gonna put them down as the worst team in the league this year. I think the Suns will be better. I think the Lakers will be better. I think even the Hawks. And the and the Mavs will be better. <laughs> Maybe even the Pistons will be better. I think that's it. I, I, I think, I think that's be the a worst strong possibility. Easily. That's how bad they are. Yeah, agreed. That's agreed. it. We got through. Well, that's it. We covered it. We got through the Southeast Division. I. It was we. We gritted. We our teeth and we yeah. wore it. I mean. <sighs> It was rough. We Lived. got through it, man. 
tough, cold world, man. But we, we had a good episode. We, we talked about a lot of other uh, things to keep us, keep the juices going. Uh, Mellow's on the thunder now. Wade's on the calves now. We'll talk more about Wade and the calves next week when we do our Central Division preview. Um, we talked about the reform. We talked about the rule changes. If you have your own thoughts about the draft reform, about resting players, please let us know once again. Find us on Facebook at the face at facebook.com slash the sideline reporter. Find us on Twitter at DSL Reporter. And you know, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. You can listen to us on iTunes. Uh, you can use Overcast. We're we're on basically every channel you can think of. Um, feel free to check out what we write on Medium. We we've been posting some articles here and there. Over the summer uh, on, on medium.com slash D sideline reporter. Once again, um, I'll drop the links down in the in the episode um, preview. And thanks for listening. Um, and please uh, later thank you for thanks checking again. us out and uh, hope you enjoy it. Stay woke and stay mellow. A catch and shoot guy only or a cut to the basket guy but he actually was able to put the ball on the floor last year and actually create his own shot which i think was a was a was a nice surprise to see from him yeah and and, and that's and that's the thing that i didn't expect at all and maybe part of that was what we saw when he was on golden state mm-hmm. and so we expected that kind of play but when we think about it i mean that's what he was asked to do yeah now, when you're in Dallas, they want you to create more of your shot. You have more opportunity to put the ball in your hands and to drive the ball and to create your own shot. And now he has even more opportunities. So mm-hmm. can he do it? And yeah. he showed he can. Now let's see if he can get more consistent and do it on, on a more of a nightly basis and complement the rest of the players who are there and get them involved at the same time. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be crucial if he can repeat last year's performance. Maybe be a little more effective, be a little bit more um, able to translate that into wins for the team. I think you know then you're really looking at something. Um, so that's a good pick. I mean, he's one of those guys. When you talk about um, betting on yourself, believing in yourself, he's one of those guys. He he chose to you know take that payout and and be a number one guy versus staying in a, on a championship situation and you know to his credit i think he added things that weren't in his game like he didn't have i don't think he had that in his game before but he took on the challenge of being a a go-to scorer and and added these elements to his game so i think it's gonna be interesting if he's able to repeat that performance maybe even improve upon it you know I, i don't i mean we'll get into it later i don't expect much from this team this year but if he's able to show those things They've got money coming off the books next year, so it'll be interesting to see if, who they can bring in to pair with him, and he maybe he can become a nice number two option behind a, a true superstar if they're able to get one moving forward. Yeah. So that's a good one. My X factor is Nerlens Noel. <laughs> Nerlens Noel, because to say he's had a bit of a tumultuous summer would be an understatement. He was expecting a nice contract. 
Dallas offered him a contract of a pretty pretty sizable one, but him and his agent didn't like it. Now he has to accept the the qualifying offer and kind of just bet on himself and hope that he can play well enough to earn that contract. But the way things are going is probably not going to be with the Dallas Mavericks. And it's really interesting because you looked at Dallas. They made that trade. It was a great trade for Dallas. They, they really didn't give up much, if anything, at all for him and when, and when, they, when they made that trade with Philly. Um, he is kind of a knucklehead. He's had some problems off the court. Um, and I think some of that knucklehead mentality played out in the contract discussions this, this summer. But he's also a guy that seems to be everything they've been looking for for the last few years. I mean, they tried to get Howard. They couldn't get Howard. They tried to get DeAndre Jordan. They couldn't get him. They were looking for this rebounding defensive force who can just run up and down the court. And now they have him. And it remains to be seen if he's still going to play for them after this season. So I just find it very fascinating. And I also feel like he has to show out this year. He has to be a double-double type of guy. He has to show that he is valuable in this modern NBA. Because part of the reason why the Dallas was able to play hardball with him is because nobody else really made a... Nobody put out an offer sheet for him, even though he's a restricted free agent. And people just aren't that interested in throwing that kind of money out uh, on centers anymore. So he, he really has to establish himself more as a player um, that teams are going to want if he wants to get the contract he's looking for next summer. Right. He's a, he's a scrappy player. He's, and he did a lot of the, the dirty work. He, you know, he, he's able to get his, get rebounds and he's able to block shots. He is able to get out from under the paint, under the basket and defend players all over the, you know so those are the things he's able to do but people don't want to pay for that so yeah and it was clear yeah and when he went to dallas he had a couple of good games but overall it was very lackluster mm-hmm. so no one was paying for that and i'm not surprised that he didn't get that contract from other teams um he i guess he thought he was gonna get a payday mm-hmm. and he didn't and now he has to play, and let's see if he's mature enough to work hard to earn his money or whether or not he's going to get there and just be lazy. And if he's lazy, then, you know, you're going to see it. You're going to see him get, I mean, get benched a little bit. He's going to get very frustrated, and you just might see him trade it off again. There's still the possibility of that. I'm yeah. not sure who wants him, but... Right. I that could be a possibility too. So that's my X factor. Who's the player you're looking forward to watching most this year? Uh Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. That's easy. That's, that's oh, easy. What yeah. you looking forward to watching about with him? A guy he's a guy who got who went down the draft due to injuries. Um, but he has a very high ceiling, very high motor. We saw some good things, a lot of good highlights. And I think that's the point guard that the Mavs needed. And again, doing saying all the right things, doing all the right things. He's a player that you can get behind. And there isn't much competition. Um, yeah, you can talk about Yogi. You can talk about some of those other Berea and and think Devin Harris still there. All those point plethora of point guards they have on that team. But if 
if they know what they're doing, they would give him an opportunity to play and earn minutes. And I think the fans are really going to like him. Yeah, I, I agree. I like I like what um I like what I saw from him in summer league. I think he's he's gonna be, you know, their their point guard of the future. I think he's gonna be a player they can build around. Um, I kind of have two players I'm looking forward to watching, but my first one is Dirk because this might be his final season. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Dirk if he's a, still play at a high level before he calls it quits. He's he's a, he's a rare breed. I mean. Kobe's gone, Duncan's gone. Now you know Dirk is like the last guy from that from that era, and who's played on the same team his whole career. And he's kind of he's kind of the end of a dying breed, basically. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play one more year, and you know just appreciating having Dirk on the court again, even if it's la- his last season. That's a fair one. So, I like it. Yeah, and uh, and my other one is Seth Curry. I'm looking forward to Seth Curry, most importantly because I feel like he's finally found a home in the NBA with Dallas. Um, I know there's going to be some some crunch for minutes, but I there, I think there's a lot of minutes available at the two guard spot. I know he's not a traditional two guard, but a lot of teams don't use traditional two guards anymore. I mean, there's very few like legit, you know, six five, six six two guards in the league these days. So I I I think. In Dallas, he's kind of found a place he can stick, and I'm wondering, you know, if he gets, if he had with that confidence now, without bouncing around anymore, and getting a consistent amount of minutes, if he can, you know, if he can, you know, not necessarily have a Steph Curry level season, but a Dell Curry season, I think is well within reach here, and if he can do that, I think that would be very. I think that's another interesting player they have to build uh, for the upcoming seasons. You can never have enough shooting, and he's one of those guys that if you give him the ball, he can shoot it at a pretty elite level. I mean, he shot 42% last year. I mean, I mean, shooting is just in this family's blood. So if you give him the shot attempts, they can make it happen. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do now that he has a home in Dallas. I like both your choices. And, and Seth Curry is definitely one who's gotten – gotten and found a nice home he had a, a good season last season so yeah i look forward to seeing what he's able to do this year yeah and i'm also looking forward to seeing you know will he be in the three-point contest this year will his brother be in it will they go back and forth you know who would win that i'm looking forward to seeing stuff like that now that he has a set home in the nba yeah that's true so where do you see this team ending in that what's their most likely scenario most likely scenario, of course, is out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have some stretches where they play well. And I can see them somewhere in the bottom 5, 16 in the league. Yeah, I think that might happen. I think they might want, I think they might want that to happen, too. I mean, this is going to be a, a good draft for them to do that in. Um, so... I mean, we talk. They got a lot of interesting players. They have a lot of potential, but at the same time, I think they're gonna want to be bad this year. Maybe not on purpose, but they have some. They have things that can offset the the blow for the fans. Like they're gonna see Dirk's presumably Dirk's farewell tour this year. They're gonna see Dennis Smith 
um, and whether he can fulfill his potential this year. They got young players like Seth Curry, like Harrison Barnes. These can be guys to build the future with. And they have things to be hopeful, hopeful for while allowing their team to take some lumps and be bad this year and, and get another high draft pick, which maybe they compare with, a, with an interesting signing this upcoming summer. Yeah. So I I I mean this we're 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 saying they're gonna finish bad, but I think there's a lot of positives to this to the to this season coming up because they have the young players because they have the potential for another high impact draft pick to come in and for the opportunity to you know say that they had Dirk for his t- entire career as a Mav. I think those are all special things. And I, th- I think they can they can live off that, and I think this is a team that can be very dangerous and interesting um, next summer, depending what they do and who they get. Yeah, I mean, even though, like you said, they're not may not do well, they might try to try to say win it for Dirk or something like that. They're gonna have some good games. It's gonna be a farewell tour. It, it, it's 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 gonna be a fun season. You're gonna have stuff to watch. You're gonna have to you're gonna watch Dirk. You're also going to see him a few times, you know, turn back the hands of time a little bit in some of his his play. He's going to have some good games. And you're also going to see a lot of young players. And these are young players who are going to be on his team, hopefully for a long time. So if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, you, you should be good. You're not going to win. You're not going to win a lot of games. But you can definitely see that the team is committed to putting a, a good team on the floor. And they are going to have some players there who you're going to be able to grow with. Agreed, agreed. Well, that's the Southwest Division, man. I, I think uh I think this was good. So we're we're finally wrapped up with the Western Conference. Uh how do you feel about the Western Conference overall after we covered all these divisions? It's a strong conference and it only gotten stronger and I believe if we start to see if we see this deal that we're expecting with, with Melo, that it's going to be even an even stronger division or a conference rather so the yeah the western conference is, is stacked yeah and there's a there's a lot of storylines there's a lot to look forward to and i think the western conference you know is still gonna be better than the eastern conference i think you'll oh yeah that as well. oh yeah definitely so. definitely uh i mean i'm looking at this this conference and I mean, I know I know we didn't prepare this ahead of time, but I'm just gonna run through my my one through eight, and that make the playoffs real quick. So I, I'm gonna say Warriors, OKC two, Spurs three, Rockets four. I'm gonna say Clips at five, Blazers at six, and man, 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 man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say T Wolf seven, and Nuggets eight. Hmm. Hmm. I gotta I gotta think about that a little bit. Um, I would definitely the T Wolves. Only I think I will flip the I'll put the Blazers five, and I'm going to put the Clips. Actually, no, I'll keep the Clips five and put the Blazers six. I think the Kings are gonna sneak in a little bit. I don't know why. You still got you still mm, okay. I mean I, I don't know. I feel like the Kings can do it. 
I'm curious. So I got to think about it some more and really put it down. I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. But, we didn't prep it, but since we're finishing, this was the last team in the West. I thought we, I just throw out those those one through eights uh, to, to wrap up the Western Conference. Cool. So, and sorry, Jazz. I think you just miss it. Grizzlies, I think it's going to be a tough year for you guys. Pelicans, going to be tough, I think, for you guys as well. Mm, but a lot, lot of things to, to be seen. But So that's the Western Conference. And so next week, we're going to be starting with the East. And I think we're going to start with the Southeast Division and work our way up that way sounds good let's so, do it sounds good so i want to thank everybody for listening again this is uh the third part in our nba season preview series we're trying to get through all the divisions before the preseason starts um if you haven't heard of our pacific division and northwest division you can go back you can check out you can check out check it out on soundcloud itunes overcast um we're uh we're on all those different uh, podcast apps. Uh, feel free to pick your poison, as they say. And thank you for listening. You got any other thoughts, share them with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the sideline reporter. Um, you know, go ahead and follow us on Twitter as well, at the SL reporter. You know, can tweet at us any questions you have there. And we're going to try and do some other things this this uh this year gonna try and do some new things see what we can do and hopefully keep it entertaining for everybody yeah i agree and i tell everyone just keep listening and you know we got like you said we got some things coming yeah so thank you guys for checking us out once again this has been the pace and space podcast and good night later stay woke and stay mellow.